Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you. Uh, yeah, as, as Luke said, um, I'm Jai. Uh, I'm one of the elders here. Uh, that's the first time I've been able to uh, get up and say that, so that's exciting, isn't it? Um, and uh, yeah, during the week, uh, I'm a, a website developer. So um, yeah, I like computers and stuff. And uh, I was really pleased when Ben gave me this Psalm 128, because uh, if you know binary, it's a nice round number in binary. So you can ask me about that later. If you don't get that, it seems like most of you stuff. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're going to be digging into Psalm 128. Um, and uh, yeah, let me just pray uh, before we get there. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your word that you've given to us. Thank you that you reveal uh, yourself and, and you reveal us and our hearts as well through it. Um, I pray that you would uh, yeah, help me today to uh, speak clearly um, and faithfully uh, and yeah, help us to listen well to what your word is saying to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, the, the title that Ben has given me uh, for today is hashtag blessed, which if you don't know what that means, don't worry, uh, because I didn't. I had to look it up. Um, and apparently it's a hashtag that people use um, to, to sort of signal on social media when they want to express uh, gratitude for like fortunate circumstances in their life. What, what do you think it would look like for you to be hashtag blessed? Maybe, maybe you've used that yourself on social media. If you had to post a picture or, or write something right now on social media with the hashtag blessed, what would that be? Just have a think. I'm going to show you some of the, the top results uh, that I got when I searched for hashtag blessed on Twitter. Um, so you're about to see some tweets up here. Is the first one, someone receiving a, a college football scholarship um, in America. Uh, this one, just about the halfway point of my vacation in the Maldives. Hashtag blessed. Looks nice, doesn't it? Love this one. You can't imitate this glow. <laughs> the face of Armani beauty. Hashtag blessed. And this next one is my personal favourite. This came up as the top result. 21 years old and a owner of a mansion. Follow your dreams and this is what it'll get you. Hashtag blessed. Brilliant. There's something a little bit jarring about this, isn't there? That, that last one, I think, as well, like really gets to the point. Look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've achieved. Hashtag blessed. The whole point is that Hashtag blessed is like this marker of uh, humility, a sign that you're thankful for something in your life that has come to you without necessarily being deserved. And yet the content of the post can be striking the opposite turn. I think this is what they call the humble brag. Uh, not always, I'm sure, but certainly in, in many of these examples that I came across. But the idea of blessing that's laid out in Psalm 128 is pulls apart from the humble brag because it, it's really not rooted in self, but in God. It isn't something to burst about, but to be thankful about. Let me remind you of the background to these Psalms. They're probably being sung by pilgrims who are making their way up to Jerusalem for one of the three uh, annual festivals. And they're hopeful as they head up to the temple 
of meeting with God, of receiving his blessing. And so this psalm really is a, a meditation on the nature of blessing and on the posture of, of the one who can expect to receive blessing. So I want us to notice uh, three things today about blessing. Blessing is a reality. Blessing has a condition. And blessing needs a rethink. So firstly, blessing is a reality. Well, let's start by defining what we mean by blessing. It's a, it's a deep and complex biblical word, and, and it does have multiple meanings. But in essence, the way it's used here, it means good things. Some translations uh, might use the word happiness instead of blessing. Um, that, yeah, there's a couple of translations that read, happy are all who fear the Lord. Blessing is more than a single event. It's a state of being, really. It's about overall wellness, wholeness, fullness in life. To be blessed means that the things that matter most are going well for you. But there's a bit more to it than that. Blessing must also have an agent. Someone must be doing the blessing. If there's no agent, if there's no person doing the blessing, then you're just lucky, right? But if you believe God is the author of these good things, then you're blessed. So what is the nature of God's blessing? What does it look like? Uh, We're going to take each of the blessings uh, mentioned in this psalm in turn. So have a look down with me at Psalm 128. Uh, We're just going to sort of skip through from verse 2. You will eat the fruit of your labour. So your work is productive and fulfilling. You're able to put food on the table. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. This is about, uh, I guess, general happiness and maybe wealth as well. Verse 3, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots round your table. The vine and the olive tree were, were pictures of fertility to Israel. So blessing in this verse looks like a growing, happy, healthy family. Following on from that, may you see the prosperity of Jerusalem. So I guess this is the blessing of a good economy. That's a good thing, isn't it? Things going well for your community, for your nation, which generally means things going well for you as well. May you live to see your children's children. A long life, long-term good health. And finally, peace be on Israel. I think in this last statement, the psalmist is wishing blessing, peace, prosperity, political stability on the nation as a whole. So as we read these verses, we're getting uh, a bit of a picture of what a post-exile Israelite is hoping for in life. These are their deepest desires. This is what it looks like for them to live the good life. And this is what they might expect and ask for as blessings from God. Notice that there's a particular emphasis on family here. Uh, So we experience God's blessing in part in the form of a happy and fruitful family life. And I know many of you can say amen to that. We, We love having lots of children here at REC. 
they're not here right now because we've sent them away. That's how much we love them. No, we, we really love them. And they're a huge blessing from God. And we thank them for it. Yes, thank, thank him for them. But I'm also aware that there are, there are some who found family life really difficult for any number of reasons. In our fallen world, that can be a sad and deeply painful reality for some people. So if that's you, please don't think God has withheld blessing from you. This is not the whole of what blessing is, and, it, uh, and it's not its pinnacle. We, we'll get there later. A psalmist is not claiming that God promises happy families in particular, I don't think. But he's expressing the, the reality of the abundance of God's blessing. And using these as an example um, that, that would have resonated then, and, and I guess mostly still do now. He's showing that God cares about our desires. God wants to bless us. God is not, um, he's not stingy. But he, he wants to bless us. He wants us to be happy and prosperous. Blessing is a reality. Good things come not through our own efforts or the luck of the draw, but from the generous hand of our sovereign creator, God. I want you to imagine that you've got £20 in your hand. Where did it come from? Just think about it for a second. There are three options, right? Either you earned it, or you came across it by chance, or you were given it as a gift. I think those are the three possibilities. But when we understand the idea of blessing, we see everything as a, a gift from God. Whatever the immediate cause is, you know, we don't deny that, but we acknowledge that all good things ultimately have their source in God. Trace back every blessing in your life to the hand of God and thank him for it. Blessing is a reality and God is its agent. But blessing is not a reality for everyone. Blessing has a condition attached to it. Have a look right there in verse 1. It's not blessed are all people, but blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. And that's repeated in verse 4 as well. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Blessed are all who fear the Lord. What does that mean? You've probably come across that phrase, fear of the Lord. But I wonder if you could define it. Honestly, I, I struggled with this. I, f- I felt like I had a vague notion of what fear of the Lord meant. But I couldn't really like pin it down and, uh, and define it. So uh, let's, let's try and do that now. Here's my working definition. The fear of the Lord is the appropriate attitude towards God in light of his character that leads to obedience. Fear of the Lord is the appropriate attitude towards God in light of his character that leads to obedience. And we're going to unpack that in three stages. First, what is it that we're supposed to fear about God? It's his character. It's his majesty 
his power, his authority, his holiness. The things that make him other, the things that make him beyond everything else that we know. In the Bible, God describes himself to us in human language so that we can get a, a sense of what he's like. But it's so clear that he is totally different to us. He is infinitely beyond us in every way, beyond our understanding, beyond our imagining. So we fear because he's other, because he's so much greater than us, because there's no one like him. And because we know that he could blow us away in an instant if he wanted to. Okay, second, what does this fear feel like? How do we experience that? Now, it's not the kind of fear that we'd feel if our lives were in imminent danger. It's not the absolute terror we'd have if we were, you know, being chased by a hungry lion or something. We know that God is a loving father and he doesn't want us to cower before him. Although, this is the appropriate reaction if God is angry with you. If your sins have not been forgiven and paid for by Jesus, then you should fear God. You should fear him way more than a ferocious lion. But for the Christian who's been forgiven in Christ, fear of the Lord is not terror, but it is more than just respect. There's some element of fear that still applies. It does involve uh, trembling to a degree. Let me back that up. Here's a verse from Isaiah 66, verse 2, which says, These are the ones I look on with favour, those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who tremble at my word. And in the New Testament letters to the Philippians, Paul calls the Christians there to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We're supposed to tremble before God and his word. The American preacher John Piper illustrates this by asking you to imagine uh, you're on a mountainside when a huge storm whips up. There's thunder and lightning. The rain is driving down. The wind is howling. You feel like you're going to be thrown off the mountain. But then you find shelter. You find a little rock where it's safe, where you can hide behind. And Piper says, at first, there was the fear that this terrible storm and awesome terrain might claim your life. But then you found a refuge and gained the hope that you would be safe. But not everything in the feeling called fear vanished from your heart, only the life-threatening part. There remained the trembling, the awe, the wonder, the feeling that you would never want to tangle with such a storm or with the adversary of such power. The fear of God is what is left of the storm when you have a safe place to watch right in the middle of it. Oh, the thrill of being here in the centre of the awful power of God, yet protected by God himself. This is a fear that's someone, um, a fear of someone that is protecting you which comes from a right understanding of that person. It's not a fear that makes us run, but the very opposite, a fear that draws us in, safe yet trembling. Remember Psalm 121, God is our help 
and our protector. And that means that it's fearsomeness, instead of making us run away, instead of making us quivering wrecks, brings delight. That's an odd thing, isn't it? But this is something that the Old Testament authors knew. Nehemiah prays this, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. That's, that's fearing your name. It's the same Hebrew word. Fear of God leads not to anxiety, but to delight. Okay, let's uh, continue to unpack um, this definition. Uh, thirdly, how does it work out? How does it work itself out in our lives? So the fear of the Lord is the appropriate attitude toward God in light of his character that leads to obedience. So it starts with an attitude, an attitude of humility. Remember the attitude of a disciple that we did a few weeks ago. Fear of God will humble us. It takes God seriously, acknowledging who he really is. And if it starts with an attitude, it continues with obedience. Look back at verse 1. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. Other translations have it, who walk in his ways. And I think this has got the idea of something steady and continuous, hasn't it? It's about a daily submission to God, about constantly orienting our hearts in his direction. Constantly choosing his way over my way. As these pilgrims are walking up to Jerusalem, the psalm is focusing their hearts not on keeping some arbitrary rules, although they you know, performs the, the festival in the way that God laid out, but it's not on keeping those rules, on, but on properly orienting their hearts towards God. I came across the phrase, a long obedience in the same direction recently, and I thought that really fit the idea that's being conveyed here. It's not turning this way and that, but pointing ourselves at God and keeping going in that direction of the long haul. How about doing some diagnostics on your own heart this week? What is your heart posture when you come before God in prayer? What's your attitude when you come to church on a Sunday? What's your attitude on a Monday morning as you're about to head, head off into the week? Do you fear God in a way that leads to obedience to his commands? Do you surrender your own desires for his? Do you work diligently, drive carefully, parent patiently? Does your future revolve around his plans for you? Are you desperate to know his will and to do his will? Do you fear God? Before we move on, let's not forget that any blessings that we have, we have only because of Christ. If it were for his sacrifice, we wouldn't be in any position to receive any blessing from God. But as people filled with the Holy Spirit, we can fear God and we will receive blessing. Okay, so blessing from God is a reality 
and it has a condition. But what counts as blessing? How can we expect to be blessed? I reckon our idea of blessing needs a rethink. Here in the psalm, blessing is very much material, isn't it? It's very much now focused. Prosperity and health and children. And if we're honest, that, that's usually how we think about it. That's what hashtag blessed is all about, isn't it? And it is true that in the Old Testament, God often blessed people materially when they feared him. People like Abraham. He was a wealthy chap, wasn't he? By any estimation. But it's also true that it, well, that wasn't always the case. Remember Job and how he suffered the loss of, of all, all of these things. His prosperity, his health, his children. He lost them all. Despite the fact that he was lifted up by God as an example of someone who feared him. And I'm sure we can point to our own lives, certainly parts of our lives, uh, which don't live up to hashtag blessed. So how do, we, how do we fit these things together then? I think we do it by rethinking our idea of blessing. Here's three ways that we get it, get it wrong and how we might put it right. So first, we think we know best. In my, my pride and my ignorance, I tend to think I know exactly what I need to be blessed. And I say to God, hey God, this is how you can bless me. This is the way that I want you to bless me. This is the way I can be blessed. But look at verse 5 of Psalm 128. God is blessing us from Zion. He's blessing us from up high on the mountain. God is on his throne in heaven. And from this vantage point, he can see everything. He can see everything that we can't see. He knows exactly what we need. And Romans 8.28 tells us that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. That sounds an awful lot like blessing to me. In all things, God is blessing us. He sees what we can't. Now it's good to be honest with God when we can't see how a situation is a blessing in our lives. And there's nothing wrong with praying that God would change our circumstances. But underlying all of that should be a trust that God knows far better than us how to bless us. The second way that we get it wrong is that we obsess over appearance. We, we always think externally. We think we're blessed when it looks like things are going well for us from the outside. And I think this is where the so-called prosperity gospel gets it wrong. In the New Testament, Jesus flips this idea of blessing right on its head. In Matthew 5, Jesus gives this portrait of the blessed man, this ble the blessed person, which says nothing about riches or family or job satisfaction. Jesus focused on the inner life, what's going on in someone's heart. The blessed person is the one who is poor in spirit, the one who mourns, the one who is meek, the one who, uh, who is merciful, who is pure in heart, even the one who is persecuted. When we think of uh, pursuing blessing, praying for blessing, how often do we think in terms of our growth in these beatitude qualities? When was the last time you thanked God 
for the poverty of spirit that you saw growing within yourself? And when was the last time you saw someone's meekness and thought, wow, that person is really blessed? We can't tell the state of someone's heart and therefore we can't tell whether they're truly blessed from the amount of children they have or the size of their house. It's not all about appearances. And I think the third way we think wrongly is uh, chronologically. We focus too much on now and not enough about the future. If ever a man feared God, it was Jesus, wasn't it? He did it perfectly. But did he have any of these blessings from Psalm 128 in his own life? Let me, let me put those blessings up there. We'll contrast them with Jesus. Jesus barely made an impact during his lifetime. He didn't really see the fruit of his labour. He didn't have a home. And people hated him. He wasn't married and he didn't have any children. He had a short life. He was only 33 when he died. And Israel was oppressed by the Romans during his lifetime. In short, Jesus didn't receive any of these blessings from Psalm 128 during his life. But of course, Christ is blessed. Just as he is the perfect God-fearer, he is the most blessed person that has ever lived. Even though it didn't look like it at the time. At the start and the end of Jesus' ministry, God affirms that he is well pleased with Jesus. And later on, he raises him from the dead into uncountable blessings. Let's change some of these. Jesus has had a profound impact on the world. There is immense fruit from his labour. He's seated at the right hand of God. His spiritual family numbers in the billions. He has the longest life that you can get. Eternal life. And finally, he can look forward to the new Jerusalem where there will be complete peace. So just as Christ's own blessings were mainly in his future, so the Christian's primary blessings will be future as well. Revelation chapter 11, verse 18, which is talking about the end of days, says, the time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere, who fear, your name, both great and small. The real time for blessing isn't now, but is future. For the Christian, the best is yet to come. So the hashtag blessed life is a reality for those who fear God. It's not that perfect portrait of family life to share on social media, but something so much greater than that. It comes to us from our Heavenly Father who knows us and loves us and is at work in every circumstance of our life for our good, for our blessing.
and it's inward, not outward. So it has value not just in this life, but in the one to come. And there our blessing will be beyond our wildest dreams. May you fear God and may he bless you even this week. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who cares about us, who cares about our desires, who cares about our happiness, uh, and who wants to bless us. Lord, help us uh, to fear you, to be uh, obedient to you, to walk in your ways throughout our life, Lord, to point our hearts in your direction, uh, to tremble before you. Yeah, and Lord, help us to uh, rethink our idea of blessing. Um, yeah, that, that we, would, we would look at that portrait of, of the blessed man that Jesus gives and that that would be our idea of blessing. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.